one parent, two kids, 423 national park sites. This is Expedition National Parks. Dispatches and stories from one family's journey to discover the natural, historical, and cultural treasures of the United States. He wrote him and said, Senator Yarbrough, you need to have a Big Thicket National Park. So here we are in the lobbying business. At that point, somebody named me chair of the legislative committee, and so I got very much involved. During this month celebrating women's history, we want to focus on the important role Maxine Johnston played in the fight to preserve the Big Thicket, the nation's first national preserve. In our travels, we've always been impressed by the tenacity and dedication of so many volunteers and citizen groups. True democracy in action. We all owe them so much. Shannon Harris from KVLU Public Radio in Beaumont, Texas, interviewed Maxine Johnston in late 2019, and this interview was recently released as an episode of the Bayou Lands Talks podcast, which we've linked to in our episode notes. It was on the occasion of Maxine being selected as the homecoming parade grand marshal for Lamar University, where she spent more than three decades as a research librarian and then library director. She was honored both for her contributions to the university as well as her dedication and success as a conservation advocate. In fact, today, at 93 years young, her LinkedIn profile lists her occupation as conservation gadfly. We are so grateful to gadflies like Maxine Johnston. Shannon explored what motivated Maxine to get involved, both from the beginning and through the years, as a champion of the big thicket. That occurred actually... In high school, I I wrote a term paper on the folklore of the Big Thicket, and I I found that very interesting. Coming to work here, all of the biology faculty wanted to take tours of their for their students because Big Thicket is known for its biodiversity, and they would. uh, Lance Rozier was a Mr. Big Thicket in uh, Saratoga. That they always wanted him to take the tours with them and identify things for the students and for the faculty. And uh, Lance didn't have a telephone, so they would drop by the library and say, Maxine, would you tell uh, Lance that we'll be out with a uh, class on Thursday or Saturday or whenever? And uh, so I I really uh, went along on some of those field trips if they were on Saturday so that I got to know a good deal about the diversity of the Big Thicket and about Lance Rozier, who was the absolute penultimate expert on Big Thicket. I was an early member of the Big Thicket Association in 1964, and they decided they wanted to have a museum. And uh, Terrell Buchanan, an attorney from Silsby, uh, said Maxine should serve as the uh, chair of the committee to develop a, a museum. I got a bunch of books and read about museums and then began to put together Exhibits. We had an old mill that we had bought the uh, school plant in Saratoga, and so we developed that. About that time, uh, interested Ralph Yarbrough in uh, the Big Thicket, Professor Pete Gunner from the University of North Texas, wrote him a letter after he had read Mary Laswell's book on I'll Take Texas. He wrote him and said, Senator Yarbrough, you need to have a Big Thicket National Park. So here we are in the lobbying business. At that point, somebody named me chair of the legislative committee, and so I got very much involved. 
Over the next couple of years, Maxine made several trips to Washington, D.C. to testify before Congress for the creation of a national park in the thicket. As fate would have it, in 1972, Charlie Wilson was elected to the United States House of Representatives, representing Texas's 2nd Congressional District. Charlie was uh, something else. He really was. And I went to the July 1973 hearings that they had in Washington. I ran into him in the Capitol building one day, and he said, Maxine, let me take you out and show you the the view from the Capitol steps. So we went out and sat on the Capitol steps, and he pointed out all of the buildings, the Smithsonian and the other buildings there. And then he got on to the big thicket thing. He said, Maxine, you, you people are asking for too many acres, and you're going to have to leave out Village Creek. You're going to have to do this, that, and the other. And I said, Charlie, I agree I didn't call him Charlie. I called him Congressman Wilson. I said, I agree with the other conservationists. By that time, a big ticket coordinating committee had been formed of about 42 conservation organizations and uh, public, uh, well, there was a hunting club and things like that that got involved in the coordinating committee effort to get the bill passed. And I said, I agree with them. And he was not very happy with me for agreeing with them, but he suffered it. <laughs> and over the years, I think we got to be friends because at one point he told a reporter, Adrienne Lyons, I believe her name was, at the Enterprise, that Maxine was a cross between velvet and steel. As Maxine Johnston mentioned, the big thicket is incredibly biologically diverse so diverse that is recognized as a biosphere reserve of UNESCO. Referred to as the biological crossroads of North America, it hosts one of the most diverse assembly of species in the world thanks to its equally diverse habitats and transition zones. Southeastern swamps, eastern deciduous forests, central plains, pine savannas, and dry savannas. There are more than 1,320 species of trees, shrubs, and grasses, 60 mantle species, 86 reptile and amphibian, and 97 fish species, 600-plus bird species, and the list goes on and on. It is also unique for other reasons. For it is, alongside with Big Cypress in Florida, the first national preserve created in the United States. This is a new concept in the culmination of many proposed bills and decades of community lobbying, which Maxine Johnson was a big part of. It is also unique for other reasons. First, it is, alongside Big Cypress in Florida, the first national preserve created in the United States. This was a new concept and the culmination of many proposed bills and decades of community lobbying, which Maxine Johnson was an important part of. As a preserve, it still enjoys protections of a national park, but in an attempt to balance between conservation and resource use, certain activities like hunting and oil and gas extraction are permitted and controlled. We were lucky enough to be amongst the only ones in the visitor center the day we visited, which was before COVID, so be sure to check the website for current access information. We had a great conversation with the raider on duty, who spoke to us about forest restoration work. Our uh, goal had been to restore some of these longleaf pine areas, you know, a, a highly endangered ecosystem here in the United States. Uh, and... Uh, so we've been working very diligently for the last few years to do that. Uh, the 2016, the centennial year, our goal was 100,000 uh, seedlings planted. 
Wow. Uh, and we we squeaked in with that goal. I think we did about 110,000 that year. So the whole uh, like community also supported. Yeah, that. we did a lot of volunteer work. Yes. But how long does it take them to kind of come to to have what we used to have? No, I meant to like for them to develop into. Uh, it'll take them about 25 years to start producing cones. Okay. And to be like what we had here, about 300 years. Yeah, yeah. So it'll never so, be the same. Yeah, it'll, it'll, not in our lifetime anyway. Not in our lifetime. And then one particular gentleman, they didn't really highlight it in the movie, but he, Mr. Rosier. Yeah, Lance Rosier, yep. And what Ro- Rosier, Rosier. Rosier, okay. Yeah. And wh- how, what did he do? Uh, he was a self-taught naturalist mm-hmm. uh, who was amongst, you know, those advocates for this area, the person who kind of understood this place okay. and kind of opened up, you know, the uniqueness of it. Because it's not just another woods, right? right? We've got an incredible amount of biodiversity here uh, that one has to really get down on their hands and knees to kind of understand and explore. Here. Yeah, and, and in the movie they said it, you know, because of the Ice Age, but then why this particular area and not 50 miles from here? Yep. Or did that just, just disappear? It got, it you just know, kinda... you probably got a bunch of factors in there. Yeah, this glaciation mm-hmm. from the north, uh, you know, when they would pr- uh, advance and then recede, you know, that changes... Your, your flora and fauna, you know, as things move south or north, depending on where that glacier is going to be. Um, you know, that kind of got our north-south movement going. You've also got a lot of deposition from those glaciers when they melt. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we have so many waterways around here, um, you know, including this ocean effect, you know, as the sea levels rose and fell. You know, you expose some sandy areas, which is why it's really flat along the coastal plain, uh, because it used to be underwater, Mm -hmm. uh, the bottom of an ocean. Um, And then as that kind of goes back, that exposed, that sandy soil and things that we have around here. So water controlled a lot of that, this erosion and deposition, the back and forth between glacier and ocean, um, you know, influenced the soil types, the topography, how well it, it drains and everything. Uh, which in turn affects what plants and things grow here. Right. So that's one of the And all these diverse species, they're not invasive. They're actually like endemic. Yeah. If I'm not going to say there's any one thing that's necessarily endemic to Big Thicket. I don't know of any species that is only found here. Maybe a handful of orchids. But they weren't like transplanted here. Correct. Like the alligators have been here. Yeah, so you're going to find things, if you're familiar with the Southwest, you're going to find things that are familiar to home. Roadrunners, cacti, those things. Right, they were saying the prickly pear. Prickly pear. If you're familiar, or home is the Southeast, you know, you're going to find alligators in uh, cypress swamps and everything. If your home is from the plains, you're going to find sedges and grasses and uh, some scrubby trees. Right. That are indicative of home for you as well. And because of this unique glacier pattern. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, one of the factors, yes. And what, was, what would be the other main factor? Um, that's pro- pretty much it. You know, that impacts the landscape. You know, the climate, there's only so much you can do about climate. Right. But uh, given that the climate, let's say it remained relatively stable throughout the, you know, from the last ice age, right? Right, right. Uh, but it's the, the water, the impact of deposition and uh, the receding of water. But the water doesn't, levels don't change except if it's flooded. 
Correct. I mean, water levels dra- fluctuate drastically here, but we're talking massive from like rain continental and, yeah, yeah. size of right, right. No, no, but there's know? no tidal shifts or anything. No, we're not close no, to that. Not really. And now it is time for our outdoor org feature. During the month of March, we're continuing to work alongside several other outdoor industry and national park-related content creators to feature a nonprofit organization. This month, this is Love Is King an organization whose vital work to help diversify our public lands and make nature a safe base for all people. LIK is a movement led with love and empathy to defend the freedom to roam in nature as a basic human right. Join us in supporting Love is King by sharing and engaging with their work and donating if you can. Learn more about them through the link in our bio and by following at LIK underscore free to roam and founder at underscore Chad Brown underscore. The whole family became junior rangers, and the ranger was patient with our many questions. So what did you learn during the movie? I, I wrote it down for them. badge certificate. Here's your stamp and her signatures. The answer is ice, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, the just ice. Like, just like what I, we were saying. This is yours, baby. Yeah, they remember the ice. Yep. They didn't remember the details, but they remember the ice. What else did you learn? I forget what's in your packet. You told me you learned... That the alligators, oop, okay, I wrote this wrong, are found here, not formed here. <laughs> and that they cut the trees yeah. for timber. Right? My token. And then Alexia, her sister, get, get daddy, daddy, can you give yeah, me a One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. That, the, that the pharmacy, you know, that there are a lot of um, plants that can be used for medicine. Where would the bear be found? Did you guys go explore the nighttime exhibit? Oh, mm, yep. There's at least two of our guys in there that you can explore in the nighttime exhibit. Slope forest. No, well, no the slope forest is the one with fire without fire. Well, usually our slope forests don't burn, but never say never, right? But bears are found. They need a lot of space, right, they to do. survive mm-hmm. in cave. <laughs> Not so many caves here. But oh, you're gonna be... find the frog and the bear in the same location. Hardwood. This area. Whoa. Why would they be in the, in the <laughs> Because river. they need to the eat. They eat in the swamps with the fish. Oh, I didn't. Just repeat after me. Say I. I. As a junior ranger. As a junior ranger. Promise to explore. Promise to explore. I promise to learn about. I promise to learn about. I promise to protect. I promise to protect. And I promise to share. And I promise to share. My public lands. My public lands. Congratulations, you guys. It's as easy as that. There are many hiking opportunities to check out. We chose the nature trail. And you were saying that the nature trail is the best trail. Yeah, that's the best one to kind of get a snapshot of the diversity and uh, the subtlety of this place. Mm-hmm. It's not like, boom, you know, you're in a different ecosystem. Right. Uh, there's this gradual transition, and you really have to kind of pick up on that trail. You'll, you'll come around a corner, you're like, this looks different, but you're not and quite 100% Is the corner. signage, like, will help us figure that out? So uh, we have the Kirby Nature Trail down right. there. Right. So we should go this left is what you're saying? Either way is great, but I typically go to the left Okay. I do this trail. And then this would be the elevation? Yeah, right you'll here. notice right there that you're going down a slope. Okay. And it'll kind of level out around in here. And you're going to pick up some wet, uh, probably... Yeah, it rained enough the other day that it's, there's probably going to be some pools that 
you know, go across, you know, around okay. in there. And you said there were boardwalks? Yes. Uh, and then back here, there's going to be some cypress. There's probably going to be significant water back there. And this, from the rain? From the rain, And this is yeah. the actual creek? Mm-hmm. But what would you call it? You wouldn't call it a creek? Or what? Yeah, that's okay. Village Creek right there. Oh, so it was a creek. But yeah. where would be, like, the big, like, of this, like, all these kind of things, which would be which here? So you're going to encounter slope forest here. Slope forest here. Okay. Bagels around in here. Okay. And then cypress slough. Uh, cypress slough, yeah. And the cypress are the oldest or the like? They tend to be amongst the oldest, yeah. Okay. And then any palmetto or? Not on this, this area. Okay. Any other of these pines? Nope, those, those are the three ecosystems that you're going to go okay. through. That's, just, that's quite a bit in a mile and a half. Yeah, miles. no, no, I just was like... <laughs> you know. Okay, please. You know, you'll, you'll pass stuff. Longleaf Pine Ecosystem just past the visitor center here. Uh, when we go back to the... Yeah, when you're driving there, you'll see it. The Longleaf, which is this upland. Yes. Okay. Not and so you have right here a drastic change in, in the span of a mile and a half, two miles. Right. Yeah. And what, what goes with it being part of an international bio preserve? It's just a de- like... It's a designation, you know. Like an it's, honor. It's one. like an honor, yeah. Or in the birding one, a lot of birders come here. Yeah. It's, there's no real structurally different management approach to that. All right, right. Otherwise. And do you get a lot of bird, isn't it like the time for the annual bird count? Or? Mm-hmm. That's coming up. He also explained more about longleaf pines in general. Also, if you do visit, be sure to check out the citizen science opportunities. There are three photo stations where visitors are requested to take photos and upload them to a site in order to help with efforts to document how the big thicket changes over seasons and years. They have a very unique life cycle in that when those seeds drop on you know they start to germinate and grow uh they they look like a tuft of grass the needles are really thick and long they kind of sprout up out of the ground and they will stay like that for anywhere between a year to five years seven years even until a fire comes through so if they have enough sunlight they'll continue to grow but they'll they'll grow and then if something is shading them out like other grasses and plants they'll wait for a fire and when that fire comes through, it'll burn everything out, and it'll singe the needles off of that little tree, but it'll survive most of the time. And it'll get all that sunlight, so it'll go from this little thing in the, in the, you know, near the ground, mm-hmm. and it might grow three feet in a year. Wow. And then, it'll, then it, you know, some of the other stuff might catch up to it, uh, and then it waits for another fire until it goes even higher than that to kind of ascend up into the, the canopy. That's why they look all skinny and spindly when they're young. They're growing up rather than out. So they're putting all their effort and energy And what in. is it, like a fir? Like what category of tree? They're pines. Pines, okay. Yeah. And so they have cones? Is that the seeds? They do, okay. like these, uh, these cones right here. Those are long leaves? Those are long leaves. Those are so big. They're about the second or third largest cone that we have of the pines here in the U.S. But the cone... This what actually like creates the next tree. Mm-hmm. So not on, the actual cone, the stuff on here, right? Yeah. So on every one of these little, if you want to call them scales, if uh-huh. you will, there is a seed that's anchored, you know, on the back here. Okay. And these cones will open up, and those seeds will fall out, 
squirrels will pick them out and disperse them and they'll float, you know, the seeds might float on the wind, the squirrels might take them to another location and deposit them in the, in the it, soil. And the, will it go through their excrement or will it actually, no? It okay, could, yeah. you know, theoretically if they don't chew it up. Did you ask if, was that? Yeah, you can take Okay. That. It's okay. Okay. Here's at least two of the ones that we found. Yeah. So okay. if, if you're exploring, so yeah, this is, this is the seed right here. Oh, that's the seed? Well, it's yeah, it's stuck in there. I'm trying to pull it out, but I don't think it's going to come out. But it yeah. looks like a seed? So, um, I think it's broken off in there, but that's what they are. They're, they're, they're tiny then. They're very tiny. You know, so the seeds are, are stuck at the end of each yeah, of these like, little stuck like, at the end. Ledges. So when they open up... What? Uh, you can't, they're not... It's hard to see, but... I don't know like inside? Yes. I, no, like kind of where the stalk is. What? What do you mean where the stuff is? Cobwebs and seeds in it. Uh, the seeds are like, they're on the back of each of these scales. Oh, like right here? Okay. Yeah, they kind of fit in there. Here's another one that's in there. You see that? That's but the you seed. But you said this one was one. This oh, so, seed. oh, I see. The, but the, that's the seed? That's the seed. At the end. Yeah, or, at the or end the, of that. Okay. Yep. So, but that's like the kind of the carrier for it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Again, please remember to check out and support Love is King. You can find more info on our episode page. Special thanks to Shannon Harris and KVLU Public Radio for allowing us to use this excerpt of Shannon's interview with Maxine Johnston. We would love your feedback. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or message us on our social media accounts. We are Expedition National Parks on Facebook and Instagram and Expedition NPS on Twitter. Thanks to Jason Shaw for the music. And as always, follow the inspiration of the Junior Rango motto, keep exploring, learning, and protecting. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.